0: munchkins. Welcome to another episode of Chance by Chance. This is a resource for young artists, entrepreneurs, and creators of all types as we, together, learn to navigate the professional field. Today's guest hardly needs an introduction in most circles, especially around the Twin Cities, as it is Whistler Allen. He drums in the band Hippocampus and is one swell dude in general. I had the privilege of sitting down with Whistler at his home in Minneapolis before this past weekend's Doubleheader, a couple of sold-out shows at First Avenue, and we talked about all sorts of things. Their performances on Conan, their collaboration with the happy children of normal parents, the making of Landmark, his father, Clint Allen, who was the most recent guest on the podcast prior to this. I would definitely recommend checking that out, as he is also an artist. But mostly, we focus on... Music as a career. Whistler's been making it happen for himself with Hippocampus, and you can make it happen too. That's not limited to music. It could be art, a business, anything you're looking to do. If you learn from those doing what you would like to do and apply those lessons to your own lives and work, you can make it happen. There are no limitations. The world is your oyster. I don't really understand that saying, but it seems to apply here. Be sure to sign up for the newsletter at chancebychance.com. It's on the bottom of the homepage. You'll receive all new episodes and exclusive content delivered directly to your inbox. But for now, please enjoy my conversation with Whistler Allen. Whistler, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're back in your house for the first time in a while. (laughs) Your new house. (laughs) My
1: new house, yeah. uh, Last night was pretty wacky coming back and having to remind myself like,
0: oh yeah, this is my place. I live here. But not... Most of the time right now. Not most of the time. (laughs) You were just on Conan a few days ago. We were, yeah. Does that shoot out east or is that out west? It's out west, actually, at Warner Brothers Studios in in L.A. And that's the
1: second time you've been on the show. How did you hook up with that initially? When we first played South by Southwest two years back, their promoter slash booking person happened to catch one of our shows. And Incubus happened to drop out of like a Conan show. And so we they it was like pretty last minute and they just were like hey you want to do this <laughs> and we were like yeah we can be there in 2 days thanks incubus <laughs> yeah exactly exactly we owe our whole career to incubus
0: and then the the second time promotion for this album of course but did yep. they did they contact you again or did you guys yeah. get in touch with them through management i believe it was a mix of both you know just trying to push the album
1: as much as possible trying to get on tv if we can and there were some things up in the air, and Conan ended up working out best. So we we went back, and it was it was crazy.
0: For uh, those of us who have never been on a on a television <laughs> program, which is a lot of people, how does how does that whole process work when you guys are loading in and meeting the crew there? Can you just walk me through all of that?
1: Yeah, it's pretty wild. Definitely different with the first time compared to this last time in terms of crew and just kind of what we had to go through. But in general, it's. It's pretty wild. You show up at Warner Brothers Studios, which you never really think of, like, what actual movie studios are like. But it's just, like, a bunch of these huge buildings that, at their core, are just, like, empty spaces. Like warehouses? Pretty much. Hmm. But, like, certain companies or studio, other studios or whatever, will, like, rent slash buy them out. So for Conan, it's, like, this huge setup. There's sets in there. It's, like, the set with the audience and everything. And... There's like a union crew. I don't know what their hours are like, but it's usually like seven to six is like the amount of time or seven to seven is like the amount of time hmm. that you're like there. Wait, so 12 hours? Kind of pretty, like at least the wow. crew that works there is yeah. like working there all day. And wow. it's, like, it's like a day job to them. Hmm. I mean, it's just like that's their, it's pretty crazy to see that and be like, oh, this is something they do every day. Yeah. And they're so used to it. Just yeah. like I'm used to doing my thing and everybody else is used to doing their thing. So that's cool. You get very pampered while you're there. And it's like you show up and they're like, here's your green room and here's a tray of fruit and here's your food. And we have breakfast here if you want it. It's hot and ready. And, like, here's a a couple massage chairs that you can sit in for as long as you want. And, like, each green room has a PlayStation and all this stuff. It's pretty crazy how much of a setup they have. Hmm. You know, there's, like, I I thought about it this time around. I was like, that's pretty crazy that there's, like, full bathrooms with showers in, in
0: this, like, studio that's meant to shoot movies in, hmm. you know, it's like, it's pretty wild. Yeah. Is there a lot of pressure going into it? I mean, when you're playing a show, even if there's however many hundred or thousand or people there, you know, you have your full set to make an impression. Is it hard to just do one song oh, and know that that many people are watching?
1: Yeah, no, that's exactly, like, the way you described it is exactly, like, that's, like, the hardest part about it, is that you just... You have this like three to four minutes to like try to get into the zone <laughs> and it's not really possible to do that yeah it's it's pretty wild the The first time around was oh, very intense this time around it, mostly because if we were very green the first time around you know we mm-hmm. just played like a handful of shows and now we've played many more and so you kind of think like oh, I don't it'll be more chill this time but like as soon as you get on there and you start doing like the actual performance it's like very nerve-wracking and yeah it's way different than a set because you don't get it's like after the first two or three songs you get into the vibe and you're like all right i'm here i'm good let's do this Mm -hmm. but this is like you have the one song and then you finish and you're like oh my god like (laughs) i feel crazy right now it's pretty wacky
0: i happen to notice you were wearing your uh normal parents t-shirt out there i was yeah man that's a that's some great promotion for for your friends and collaborators.
1: Yeah, dude. I I was thinking about it. I don't know. I just was like, I'm just gonna wear what I know feels comfortable and it'd be cool if I wore one of these normal parents' shirts and I have a couple, so I just went with like the most basic, straightforward
0: one that I have and I got thanks from Caleb, so that was good. Yeah, I bet, man. (laughs) Are you looking forward to playing with those guys in a couple of days? Holy shit, yeah. It's (laughs) it's tomorrow and we're Oh
1: tomorrow, no way. And even like Last night when I got back, like Mitch and I were talking about it a bunch, and it's yeah, we're super excited. It's going to be a really big, big thing for both of us, and we're just glad
0: that we can like have that moment as friends mostly. Yeah, you know, it's amazing how quickly not only the first show sold out, but how quickly the second (laughs) show got added on and also sold out. Yeah, yeah. Challenge the market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: What's it like coming back here? You kind of. Always know that it's this strong support. It's a crazy mix of emotions and feelings with it being home is the biggest thing. So you come home and you're actually, like, home for a couple of days. But also knowing, like, that it's probably the biggest show that you're going to do the whole time is Mm -hmm. also that on top of it. Like, those can go hand in hand, but they're also very separate things. At the end of the day, the show is a show. So it's, like, the job that we do. Yeah. And it's, like, you can think of it as, like, it's the home show it's big we've got to play it this certain way because it's the home show but it's also like just another show Hmm. at the same time not to demote it or anything like that but it's like we can't get too caught up in like it's this huge thing you just have to try to think like (laughs) i'm gonna walk on stage and just play another show and it's gonna be crazy and awesome
0: along those lines i'm really curious what kind of routines maybe you've developed just playing so many shows you know this is this is your job now yeah and how do you approach this like a job I think it has a lot to do with the setup that you guys have that the band has in
1: terms of crew and what you've got on the road and how you tour recently we've upgraded to a bus which has been amazing and I think that in itself has made it for us for at least and mostly for me has made it feel more like a job It's more of the vibe of like waking up, and then you got a call time. You show up, do your thing, and then you walk off and you're done, (laughs) for the day. You do your you do your job, you do your shift. So that's a big thing I think in terms of getting into a rhythm and getting into like certain things. Finding a set list that vibes with everybody that Mm. you can do over and over again Mm. really helps because then you start to get into that flow and you just start to be able to play the songs and you're like, oh, we've already gone through over half the set. And it feels like it's been five minutes, you know, like, (laughs) and we've got four songs left. When that starts happening, then you know you're, like, you're in the grind of it. And you're, like, you're just, you're just fucking, like, working. Got it on lock. Yeah. Have you noticed? I mean, I'm sure you
0: have, but anyone that keeps returning?
1: Yeah, we definitely have fans that we recognize and we meet. Uh, For example, this sweatshirt that I'm wearing was given... We each got a sweatshirt like this that has a little patch on it of, like, our instrument. Cool. From a fan. (laughs) And she's, like, every time we've seen her in her home city, I think in Seattle, um, she's given us, like, little shirts and things. Cool, man. And it's stuff like that that you look forward to and, you know, little connections. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about the album, Landmark, and the process of recording, where you did it, the time frame, all of that. Unlike anything I've ever experienced, for (laughs) sure. took just about a year.
1: We started the writing end of November last year, 2015, I guess, is what it would be. Wrote pretty much for the next three-ish months into 2016 until, like, February, and um, then just started demoing and started getting ideas. We, we met with BJ Burton for the first time and started working with him at a studio here called Flowers, which is a cool studio owned by a guy named Ed Ackerson. That kind of kick-started the whole project, and then on that spring side of 2016, we had a couple of tours, so we like were a little busy with that. But then that whole summer, or actually in March of 2016, we went to El Paso and went to a place called Sonic Ranch, which is a really unreal and like just very surreal like place to be it's just like this big studio on a pecan farm (laughs) that this dude owns his name's tony he just has this huge property and like this place called sonic ranch and there's like five studios on the property and you like get your own housing us four plus BJ we're all in this one house like a, like a little walks away and it's just it's very wild. it's very deserty, it's like very sandy and crazy. So yeah, we spent 11 days there. We've never spent that much time at a studio day in and day out and we've never worked that much on music
0: before in a studio. So you recorded that all initially in 11 days? Um, most of it. Yeah, wow. most of it. There's wow. like we went in
1: with about sixteen to twenty songs that we like wanted to take a stab at. We walked out with maybe like twelve or fourteen that we felt really confident about. And then we had our tour break. So we were on tour for about two months. And then during the summer we wrote during that time we were listening to the music and listening to the songs, getting a vibe for what we liked when we didn't like B J was doing mixes, so we were getting things. And some songs kind of got pushed away and Mm. just didn't get worked on as much. And then we wrote for like another week, which is where we came up with Vacation and Simple Season. We then went back to Packard Room for a week and a half or so, recorded there, which was awesome. Always awesome going there. And got another handful of songs. There was like five that we went and recorded there. And then we worked on some other mixes, added some things, and then about maybe three of those songs came out throughout that whole summer while we were going through the mixing process and like which is just such a crazy process you deal a lot with emotions and your ego and the emotions of everybody else and what everybody wants you have to try to figure out how to like make all the wants and needs work together Hmm. which is very difficult if you've never done it before (laughs) Um, so yeah it was good and then Right near the end, right when we thought we had the album, we wrote for like three or four more days. We were just like, let's just see if we get anything last minute, and Vines and Buttercup came out of that. Wow. And we threw those on, we went to the studio, recorded those in a day, mixed them in like two days, and we went to the terrarium for that in Minneapolis. And then like a couple of days after that, the album was called, finished, you know, we called it, and it was that was like eight to nine months later. <laughs>
0: And you finally got to breathe a sigh of relief.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. we were on tour. We were like just went on <laughs> tour right after it, right after it was done. So we were actually able to like sit and listen to it and be like, yes, <laughs> no more. But then we were like, fuck, we have to wait five months until we can release it. Oh like, <laughs> man, <laughs> why that length of time just to build it up? Or exactly, that's a good question. I think it was to build it up. I think it was to help with worldwide distribution with the UK and stuff we had a tour kind of planned out over there it was just a good time we didn't want to release it right away we wanted to kind of build some stuff behind to get some singles going before <laughs> we released it uh, there was definitely a lot of waiting and a lot of between us and the fans and people <laughs> who wanted to hear there's a lot of like come on just like release it And were like we know <laughs> but uh it's pretty
0: wild to have finally have it out to backtrack a little bit, yeah, you please. were talking about uh, deciding what would stay, what would go, and also mentioned uh, something that Jake touched on when I spoke with him, kind of sweeping your ego aside when you yeah, need to. Dude. When you were deciding on what songs were going to make the album, was there a lot of consensus or were you sort of debating what the album would look like? How did you pick the final right. lineup? It was a mix of stuff, a mix of ways.
1: First of all, there's definitely songs that just for some reason didn't make their way into our process. Um, Whether we started recording them down in Texas or not, like, or if we were digging it. For some reason, when it came to time to mixing it, it just wasn't there enough Hmm. for us to really focus on it and put a light on it and, like, examine everything about it. I think that's just due to overall vibe of the group and just what happens to be sounding the best, Hmm. you know, in those moments. Hmm. So yeah, there's that, but there's definitely some debating near the end when we were trying to figure out the final touches, especially with Vines and Buttercup coming in and us feeling like really into those songs. There was some decisions that had to be made in terms of what needed to be cut or what we felt like we wanted to cut if we were willing to sacrifice. Because some, some of us like certain songs a lot and you don't want to get rid of those, but it makes more sense. And that's where like the ego is like push it aside and think about like the business or you know the the album on its own kind of as it stands. So it was a mix of debating and just also feeling it out. They kind of like speak to you you know. For example I feel like there's a reason that we ended up writing at the very last second and Vines and Buttercup came out. There's like a reason that those songs are written and there's
0: a reason that they ended up being on the album. As more people have been added to your your mix as you've been developing yourselves as a band and more people have come into play to help you on your way. What have you maintained the most control over? What have you had to pass on to other people? And how do you feel about all of those things? Is there anything you wish you could do more of? I've always wished that I, I could like be a hell of a lot more hands-on in terms
1: of mixing. I love screwing around with Pro Tools and, like, <laughs> and having that say, kind of. But I have zero skill compared to like (laughs) BJ and and those kind of people who have been doing it for their life and that's their life. And that goes along with that ego stuff, bringing in that fifth person all of a sudden as like more than just a guy who's working for you or with you. He becomes a friend and becomes somebody that you need to trust and listen to. So So there's that for sure on the road. You know, this is, like, the first time we've been really taken care of fully on the road where we don't really set up our stuff and we kind of walk on and stuff set up and we don't tear down. Yeah. It's to maintain mystique and whatnot and allow us to be able to relax too much, I guess, (laughs) Um, too often. So there's, you know, like, little things like I don't get to pack up my drums the way I know I would like to pack them up, but it's, like, the sacrifice of, like, if you're willing to do it, I'm just going to let you do it the yeah. way you're going to do it.
0: And, know? hey, you're not the one setting them up either, so <laughs> exactly. it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter.
1: But for a while, like, I remember when that was starting, and I'd, I'd always be like, no, 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 I'm going to pack my stuff up. Like, Holly would be like, we have we have people who can do it for you, like the venues providing. And I was like, I'm going to do it because I want it to be the right way. You know, like, <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. Those are just, like, the little things. But in the end, it's been amazing to be able to have the people who we've been adding on be able to be there and yeah. like do the thing that they love and want to do
0: cool shifting gears a little bit i talked to your dad the other day Yeah, who is an amazing man i've never really like sat down and talked with him before obviously when he was president of the board at spcpa you know i would see him every so often yeah. but it was my first time really getting to know him and like i said just an incredible guy can you maybe touch on some lessons that you've taken away from him and, <laughs> and your relationship over the years how he's helped you and supported you in your art yeah it's a pretty wild relationship
1: that i've got with him i feel like it's pretty rare compared to people that i've been around and grown up with and whatnot to have a dad that's so easygoing Hmm. but also very um disciplined at the same time i think some of the biggest things i've learned from him is open-mindedness even though that's that's like a hard thing to be able to completely get a grasp of he was always very adamant about that being you know being open minded and and listening and paying attention and letting other people be who they are very artistic dude very artistic mindset so that's a huge thing both yeah. my parents were like that so that's great in terms of support it's like <laughs> insane <Yeah. laughs> it's insane the amount of support i get from him and you know I wouldn't change it for the world and part of the reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because of him if not most of the reason you know him and my brother were actually the two people who kind of like pushed me and put the idea in my head or like made it more of like a a real tangible thing to not go to college Hmm. and like focus on music just Hmm. like work and try out the band thing they were like it's just too good of an opportunity to not do yeah not like risk, risk it. So that was a huge thing, and that really helped having that support and having them be kind of like motivating in that way. Yeah, he, I think he's also been good at, you know, helping me keep my head on straight when I would come home from tour the first couple times and not really know what to do with myself and all that stuff. And just at the same time being an artist, there's a way that the mind works and the way that you experience things and he's gone through those things and experienced mm-hmm. those and it was really nice to for those first for that first year and a half of coming home from tour, being able to come home to him and have like a rock that would be there that would say the right things and be able to allow me to realize that everything's amazing. Wow oh, then start looking dark he's there and he's like everybody goes through this. It's okay. And <laughs> that, you're like
0: that's so valuable to have that in yeah, your yeah. corner. Yeah. Let's focus on what you just told me about not going to college. Mm -hmm. What else were you considering at the time? And when (laughs) did you realize that this was something you could focus on and something you could succeed at? I got into a school in Hawaii to go study
1: astronomy. And that was pretty wild. I was like really looking forward to that. Teachers were into it. It seemed like a cool plan, I guess. And it was kind of just like, what else do I do? You know, I didn't, for whatever reason, I didn't want to I could get into it, but I'm not going to. And, you know, I didn't want to study music at school. Hmm. So I was like, I'll just do science, I guess, because that's like a second thing that I like. I like Earth. I like the Earth. I like the universe. I like knowing about that mysterious stuff. So I was going to going to go to college and Hippo started screwing around before it was even considered a band. We were just like jamming winter slash spring of our senior year. That slowly progressed and then right after we graduated we had so much time we had this summer we were just like let's just make music that people want to dance to and like let's have a good time this summer. That was our main goal and we started playing more shows and there's actually a specific night and show that made me like really start questioning what I was doing and I don't know if you were there. I feel like maybe you might have been there. DiCarlo had a birthday party at this house over kind of in like the Longfellow area I don't know where exactly, but it was this birthday party, and Bomba De Luz played before us, and then it was us, and then Alan Kingdom played that night. And uh, it got pretty wild, but we literally played three songs. I still, to this day, feel like it was, like, an hour long, but we just played three songs. Nobody knew the music, but the energy was just, like, insane, and the house was super packed. I just remember, like, finishing that set and, like, like, just kind of dropping down and, like... <laughs> my feet and just like sitting on the ground for a second behind my kit and was like trying to take it in and like breathe and my brother was there and that was kind of like the night that they were like that was crazy like you should not go to school (laughs) so then I I just decided to not go to school it was a pretty big decision but I had a job and I had a job that I knew if I kept at it I could get paid more and kind of you know stay steady for the next couple years So I just didn't go to
0: school and saved a hell of a lot of money. True. Um, Yeah, that's a big thing. I think especially today, a lot of people are on that fence, school or not school. Or life. For for young people in that same position, you know, it might be music, but it could be something else, something they dream of succeeding with on their own. What would you say to people, knowing that maybe college is right, maybe it's not? How would you tell people to think about that decision.
1: Yeah, I definitely have a pretty biased view on it. Me too. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Um, so if it comes off in a strong way that you don't like, I apologize. But first of all, I think figuring out if it's right for you or not is a huge thing. If you feel super unsure about it and you're not even sure what you're going to college for, I would say that's a huge red flag because there's no reason to dive into something that is gonna like empty your wallet and beyond if you have no idea
0: what you're even doing or if you just think that you have to
1: oh yeah yeah because yeah. society in high school these days is very geared toward you're gonna go to college because if you don't go to college then you can't do life which is 50 50 you know it's like there's jobs that you for whatever reason, really need a college degree for, you know, because they expect you to know certain things. But then there's also things in life that you don't necessarily need a college degree for. And that's where it just gets messy. And that's where it's like you can argue both ways, and both ways can be very right. Mm -hmm. But I would say, like, if you have something that's going to get you by that isn't school, that's giving you money instead of taking money, and you don't have the urge to, like, run off to college right now, and learn something that you really want to learn about then you're gonna probably learn a hell of a lot more just by living life and like being in the community than just living in a dorm and partying the whole time. Not yeah. to say that everybody parties <laughs> but from what I've heard it's very easy to get sucked up into that. Sure. And I don't blame anybody who gets sucked up into that.
0: Lots of people your your own age living in a closed environment. Yeah. yeah. And in terms of music Whether a group is going to school or not, they've got some songs down and are looking for the next step to take. Just given your own experience, what do you think are the most important things to focus on in like the early phases of a band's career? Practice is probably the number one
1: thing. Practice, 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 practice. Just play together. Play the songs all the time. Make it a job. Give yourself that schedule every week at least as many days as you can get. If jobs get in the way, that's fine. But if you really want to make it work, you'll make it work. And then eventually, once you can figure it out, playing a lot of shows, reaching out to other venues. But I'd say if you got the songs, practice and shows. And also fuck around with recording. Take the time to like learn that if you want. If none of you feel obligated or feel the urge to do it, then that's fine. But take the time and it makes you learn a lot about your music and it makes you experience it in a completely different way when you're listening to it over and over again and you're, like, reworking it. But I think that's good, too, because then you get stuff out there. As soon as you have anything that people can grab, if you know people like the music, if you can, like, copy or burn up 100, to 300 CDs and give them away for free, and it's your first recordings ever, people will eat that shit up and they will spread it. You yeah, know, like that's, yeah. That's, like, a key thing. So... Yeah, I guess practice shows and get your music recorded and out there in the world. Yeah, and and focus on it. I'm I'm sensing focus that theme. So yeah, <laughs> it's focus. You got you gotta make it like a priority and go through the pain of that. It's gonna be amazing and it's gonna be tough because that's just, like, life, that's how it works. That's life, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's like this thing it. we're doing. Yeah. Yeah,
0: all right, bringing it all together with some rapid-fire questions here. What advice would you give to yourself when you're, say, like, 19, 20 years old? Start journaling
1: more, mm-hmm. get your thoughts out. It's good to talk with yourself and be aware of, like, what you're going through and what you're experiencing, because if you let that all build up, especially on the road and whatnot, it's really easy for it to all come crashing at some random moment. You think sometimes like, oh, if I just sit down and like talk to myself out loud, it'll it'll do the same job. But like, no, because that starts to make you feel like you're going crazy a little bit. And it's just good to get it from the mind onto paper Hmm. and write it out. And it's also interesting to read that stuff back years later and you're like, that's funny.
0: I cared so much about this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Going off of that, are there any... Daily habits that you have, whether that's a meditation practice, exercise, foods you eat, music you listen to before a show, anything right. you do consistently that brings well-being to your life? <laughs> Getting a good meal in the morning
1: is huge. On this last tour, it was pretty easy for us to do that with the bus. That was a great thing, being able to like go out and have breakfast. That routine of like just going out and eating and then coming back and kind of just relaxing. This last year while I was home, I was for like five or six months I was like doing yoga every morning just on my own and in my room for like 15 minutes a day and cool that was great because it's a challenge you know And it, you make yourself get up and you have that thought of like I don't want to do it because I just want to not do it but then you're like <laughs> it's 15 minutes it's not the end of the world right It'll be good. You'll thank yourself. Yeah. So if you find habits or little routines that you can do, do it. If I could go skating every day, like ice skating every day and hmm? play hockey anywhere. Like if there was a <laughs> hockey rink at the venue every day, I would be on the ice
0: every day. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that I'd love to do. You know. Any books or movies, any, right. any media that's really influenced the way that you think? That's a good question.
1: I don't read, really. So that's that's a thing. Um, I think music definitely influences some thought. It's like pretty thought provoking. I'm a big fan of movies. I like visual things. I like things that are visual. Hmm. It, I just kind of consume it easier um, than like words necessarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any movies you've seen and just like felt the need to tell everyone about? A couple months ago, I I saw this movie on Netflix called The Little Prince, and it's based off of this French. Storybook, right? Book yeah. and child book, or whatever, which I had never read or heard about, really. And then I saw this movie on Netflix and it's animated, and I ended up crying kind of at the end just because it was pretty real and like it related to me in terms of like family stuff. And so I super suggest watching it. Like, right after that, I was like, I need to write song like i need to write something so that was definitely a a movie that i watched and was like whoa i wrote a song and recorded it and i was like very happy about it so yeah i think certain movies really push me into that kind of world where it's very thought-provoking
0: who else in the community are you impressed by lately who's doing good work in music or otherwise you know of course the happy children are are killing it um
1: (laughs) I'm impressed by Dizzy Faye. She's doing pretty good. Yeah, um, she's she's doing a really good job. It's cool to see that. I've heard about this Remo Drive band recently, which has been doing good. I'm happy that they've been noticed by Anthony Fantana and all that. Hmm. That's pretty awesome. We still are. We're still looking for that. You know. Yeah, I've mostly just been impressed by the amount of you know like early eyes or or um, good look funny iris. Just like all these like. Younger bands that are starting to pop out, mm-hmm. and it's pretty awesome to see that happening. Because there, it didn't seem like there was much of that going on, and within the last five years, it's all kind of, and it, you know, it's pretty crazy. Even with you guys and Wang Mango back in the day, it was just like that was shit that was happening, and it was like it's always good to see people like getting out there and just like exposing themselves to the world in mm. that in that way man it's a it's a great place to be these days Twin yeah. Cities, Minnesota yeah.
0: there's a lot going on yeah there's a lot and finally do you have any asks for your audience or mine relating to Hippo buying the album anything like that any asks for the audience <laughs> oh man
1: I don't know buy it if you want I guess <laughs> listen to it if you want soak it up the best you can yeah, I ask for people to keep being themselves you know and like don't be scared of expressing yourself in a wild and fun and crazy way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's, that's a great answer. That, that might be one of the best answers I've ever gotten to that question. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, Whistler, thanks for the time. Yeah, dude. And uh, good luck on the, the rest of the tour. Thank you so much. Hey, all you party people. That is what we call a rap. Big thanks to Whistler for coming on the show and thanks for the generosity in all of his answers to my questions. Like he said, express yourself. Seriously, if you learn from those who are doing what you would like to be doing and you learn from those who have gone before you, if you apply the lessons that you learn and you hold nothing back, there are no limitations to what you can do. You can do absolutely anything. The world is your oyster. I personally am trying to craft a fulfilling career around my own passions and i think that's what we all want so let's help each other achieve that it'll be a better more productive and more beautiful world for it be sure to check out landmark as you heard a lot of work went into this album and it is deserving of a listen or two at the very least if you have the resources pick up a copy for yourself a copy for your mom a copy for your neighbor's dog get a copy for everyone Hippocampus is comprised of four incredible dudes doing some great work, and they are deserving of your support. Speaking of support, if you've been enjoying and making use of Chance by Chance, head on over to ChanceByChance.com and sign up for the newsletter on the bottom of the homepage. Enter your email into the subscription box. You'll receive all new episodes and exclusive content delivered directly from me. On that same website, ChanceByChance.com, there's a support page It holds a link to my iTunes profile where you can leave a rating or review of the show as it helps new listeners to find it. There's also a link to my Patreon page. Again, if you have the resources and have been making use of this show, please consider arranging a per-episode donation. I'm not looking for a whole lot, just a dollar or two here and there as it helps me dedicate more of my time and attention to the scope of this endeavor. That being said, the most important thing you can do is to share this message with someone. Share Whistler's message, share the messages of previous guests. Like I said before, we all want pretty much the same thing, to have a fulfilling life doing what we love to do, and we can help each other achieve that. I'm planning to do an Ask Me Anything episode in the next several weeks, so... Get in touch with me, however you can, however you want to do that. You can message me on Facebook. You can post to the Chance by Chance page. Message me on Instagram. Tweet at me. Reply to the email once you've signed up for the newsletter. Yeah, post some questions. I would love to talk about the podcast, my travel experiences, my own daily routines, recommendations, plans for the future, anything that you're curious about. I would love to discuss Also, if you have guest suggestions, anyone you know that might be interested in coming on the show, anyone I might be interested in talking to, put us in touch. Let's get it going. All right. Until next time, thank you for listening.